Hello and welcome to the Fifth Inning Podcast, where we talk about hot topics in youth baseball. I'm your host, Hunter Vansall, alongside the Chris Scarcella. Right. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about hitting approach and philosophy, and we've got our guest, uh, John Sheshik, again. Welcome back, John. How's it going? Going good, Hunter. How are you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Well, um, I know we've we've already had an episode with John, but um, wanted to just give a, a quick little bio for him. So John um, played college baseball at um, Texas A&M University, where he was a team captain with Chris. Um, he was a all-time Big Twelve. Um, he was on the all-time Big Twelve team in 1998. 1999 um he's also the single season school record holder for walks that's act dude that's, that's actually right that's there. really impress- impressive um <laughs> i definitely would never have broken that record um he's also played the most games as a player at texas a&m at 70 um he's he averaged 352 during his career at texas a&m um recorded 1210 putouts goodness that's crazy um, he also had 28 home runs at his time during there. Drafted in the th- in the first round, third round. No, I wish. I wish either <laughs> one of them. When were you drafted? Seventh, seventh, seventh round. Seventh round by the San Diego Padres. Man, what an absolute beast of a player. Um, John, uh, thank you for coming again. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the fundamentals of hitting. Um, so let's just go ahead and um, let's get going into the first inning. So um, how, in your opinion, how has hitting changed over the last 10 years? Well, I think in my day, um, you, you get back into Billy Bean and Moneyball, you know, that was when that was coming out, which was more of your on-base percentage and you know, it was more about walking. It was more about just finding your way on the bat. Um, and then you kind of get into to what I'll call the steroid era, which was right around that time, too. Yeah. Where, fun time uh, oh, yeah. as a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. F- fun, fun time as a fan for sure. But philosophies changed then because it, it became all about the long ball and, and strikeouts really no longer mattered. And I think you probably see more of that today, but I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a shift coming back into, hey, let's make sure guys are getting on base. I mean, obviously we have the metrics to to show what slugging percentage and on base percentage combined is, and, and that's a very relevant metric. So I think now people are kind of seeing both sides of that coin. They still want to see the pop. I mean, obviously at the pro level, pop is what puts people in the stands, but they also want to see guys getting on base because that's what leads to – to runs and runs lead to wins and wins also lead to people coming into the stands. So I think if I had to say it succinctly, it's a mix of my day and then the big powerball day. I think I think you're kind of seeing both of those come into fruition in today's professional game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just, you know, as a kid thinking back, like, you know, the guys that I would watch all the time would be like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. I mean, that's all the baseball that I knew growing up. And then now to look at what it is now. I mean, obviously, you still have guys like Aaron Judge that can, you know, put up massive, massive home run numbers. But yeah, I I agree. I think you really see some of that like West Coast influence starting to make its way into the professional side of baseball where it's like, hey, like the little things do matter from the sense of moving runners, making sure that, you know, we know how to bunt, have those fundamentals. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, you know, the situational hitting too, I think has been a a massive difference in 
the game where it's like you get a runner on second with less than two outs. What are we trying to do? We're trying to move them over. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You have like a runner on third base, less than two outs. Just put the ball in play, find a way to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I just think of like, you know, some of the guys that growing up, it was like, it, it was okay to strike out or hit a bomb. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was the approach. Like yeah. the Chris, the Chris Davises of the world um, yeah. thrived Good back example. about 10 years ago. Um, but then now you've got, you know, those guys don't really have a place in baseball anymore. You have to be a little bit more of a dynamic hitter um, where you have guys like, you know, my buddy Brent Rooker, who's um, who's leading the MLB and on baseball slugging like he's um, he has to be more of a dynamic hitter. Um, yeah. He hits the long ball, but, you know, he also has to be able to make an adjustment, um, you know, pitch to pitch. He's, he can. He can hit multiple pitches at multiple times, but also he has to know have a more targeted plan when he gets in the batter's box. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess you know, John. Let's let's just go into to the next inning about um, more of our hitting approach philosophy. Um, what what's kind of your philosophy to hitting? Do you have like anything that you've kind of hung to? Whether that's like. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about launch angle, talking about straight to the ball. Like I remember as a kid, like every single camp I went to at Baylor, it was like A to B not, yeah. or A to C, not A, B, C. Like there's a lot of different things that I think have changed, you know, from a mm-hmm. fundamentals teaching approach. Like what what are you teaching right now? Yeah. So, so for me, just being compact, especially with kids, just being compact, kind of like that A to C philosophy that you just mentioned. In other words, we're just going to go straight to the ball. We're going to keep it very quiet on the front side, you know, just a small stride. Uh, really keep your weight on your back leg and try to transfer that weight simultaneously when you're hitting the baseball. But like you said, A to C, just keep it simple. Keep it very, very simple. Just go from, you know, your load position. Obviously, you're in a resting position to start, and then you load, and then you stride, and then you get the hips through and swing. Um, that That's really from a, a fundamentals perspective what I try to teach to my own son and to any kids I have on the team. Now, as far as philosophical, you know, ideology, uh, I'm going to be a guy that says, Hey, let's, let's get ahead in the count. And when you get in the head in the count and guys like Scarcella throw that fastball uh, <laughs> that down the middle to try to get that strike over, uh, man, we, we want to be super aggressive in those, in those um, environments. So, you know, let's stay with our approach from a fundamental perspective. Let's keep it simple. Let's stay short to the ball. Let's stay quick to the ball. Uh, but when it's time to let it let it fly, let's let it fly and let's do some damage. I think that's a that's a that's a great point because you know I hear you know all these influencers or these uh, folks on social media and uh, hitting instruction and and they try to they try to get too technical in my opinion sometimes with with mm-hmm. kids and yeah. especially in the youth <clears throat> youth game and I think keeping it simple a couple of solid, you know, solid ideas there, um, straight to the ball or whatever it is, a couple of solid ideas, keep it simple and and not really overcomplicate hitting because hitting is really complicated. Absolutely. Um, you start, mm-hmm. you start talking too much to a nine, 10, 11, 12 year old, they're going <laughs> to glaze over and just, yeah. Or a 35 year old or a 35 or a a 45. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's so much going on in somebody's head that the the clearer you can make that, the better we were watching. My son and I were watching uh, Boston play the other night and and Devers for Boston came up. And if you watch Devers before, before his approach starts, he really kind of has a super wide open stance. His hands are, 
um, kind of high, if I remember correctly, but he's doing a lot of stuff before the pitch is made. But when it comes down to it, and when the pitch is made, I, and I slowed this down and showed Samuel, he really gets into that same position that everybody's in with your yeah. hands back, yeah. your foot on the ground, your weight on your back leg, and, and you're ready to explode. So, you know, a lot of these pro ball guys uh, have a lot of nuances, and many of them are very skilled, so they can do certain things with their hands that maybe your average player couldn't do. But when it comes down to striking the ball, 99.9% of them are, are in similar positions with their weight back, their hands back, their their foot on the ground, and they're, and they're ready to explode. Yeah, I got a, just a curveball, I guess, already. So <laughs> the um, what is – is it appropriate – I'm asked both of y'all. Is it appropriate to change your approach? Um, like I said, 2-0, 2-0 fastball or 2-0 uh, count, and you have Scarcella amount, he knows – behind the count a lot and it's going to come out fastball <laughs> do, you, do you change your approach at a 2-0 from a 2-0 count to an 0-2 count to a 3-2 count to an 0-0 count how do you how do you coach that to youth i so i i can give you i'll just give you my straight answer so um i have two different approaches that i like to keep super simple with my kids that i'm coaching it's like we have our head in the, a head in the count approach then we have our two strike approach mm-hmm I consider a head in the count anything without two strikes. Okay. Even even if we're not technically a head in the count, like let's say we're 0-1, mm-hmm. I still want us to have that a head in the count approach. Um, I got this from my my coach at Dallas Baptist, Stan Hefner. Um, this is kind of like what they teach over there, and it's it's honestly, I mean, you look at their numbers every year. They're leading the nation in doubles and slugging and just bomb, like they just crush. Yeah. Um, and uh, you want to get your best swing off every single pitch to a good pitch and Mm -hmm. you want to be on time. So on time, best swing. That's very simply put. That's what our approach is ahead in the count. Now, when we get to two strikes, our job is to put pressure on the defense. And what pressure means is like, we're going to put ground. We're trying to hit a ground ball somewhere in the infield hard. Yeah. We're not trying to hit a fly ball because think about the difference between pressure. What applies more pressure, a fly ball or a ground ball. Yep. A ground, a ground ball, right? Ball for sure. Because a fly ball, all they have to do is catch the ball. Yeah. That's it. You catch the ball, you're out. Ground ball, you have to put it in play. The guy has to field it. Then he has to make a good throw. Then the guy receiving it has to catch it. Mm-hmm. That's three different things compared to one, right? So yeah. so just having that simplified approach, yeah, like that. that's pretty much how I'm teaching my kids. Now, obviously, there's a lot more dynamic when it comes to you know, you get into the heat of a game and it's like you recognize, oh, they're pitching backwards. So early yeah. in the count, they might be throwing off speed. Um, so you might have to make in-game adjust adjustments based off of that approach. But as long as you can get your best swing off to a good pitch and you're on time, that's all that really matters. And what that means is if I can't get my best swing off to that outside pitch, I'm taking it. Yeah. If I can't get my best swing off to that pitch that's going to be down in the dirt and I'm going to chase and like give in and buckle and throw my my hands at the ball, I'm not swinging. Yeah. But if I can get my best swing off, I don't care if it is a like my timing is off and they throw me that off speed pitch and I'm not ready for it, I'm still getting my best swing off. I might look like an idiot. Right. But that's okay because I'm not the two strikes yet. I still have pitches to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like you you have to or my coach um, at Mississippi State also said something similar that I really like too. whenever you're ahead in the count. It's you want to be um, it's OK to well, how do you say this? 
you don't want to be fooled. Yeah. But you want to be ready to hit. Uh huh. And then whenever you get to two strikes, it's okay to be fooled, but you have to be able to react to you know any sort of any like. I'm. Uh, let's see how how do he how do you word it exactly. So on a fastball, yeah. right? It's okay to be late. Yeah. With two strikes. Okay. But you want to be on time to the off speed because it's like you want to expect like you can't be fooled on your front foot on that off speed pitch because of two strikes. It's probably a heavy off speed pitch Mm -hmm. versus like when you're ahead in the count. It's okay to not be timed up for that off speed pitch because you need to be expecting fastball and you need to be ready to crush that fastball. Now, at the same time, with your mechanics and your adjustment and your ability to recognize pitches. That's when you're going to be able to make those fundamental changes because of what you've worked on and what your swing looks like to maybe have that second cushion to where, you know, instead of being caught out on your front foot and making your, you know, doing a stupid swing, now you can just stay back a little bit and drive that ball the other way. Like, I feel like that was a very simplified answer that he would give mm-hmm. that always kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, whenever I'm going in, whenever I'm in the box and I'm facing dudes like Casey Mize. It's that has like a 96 mile an hour fastball and a wipeout splitter at 82. It's just, you know, it's totally, you can have that approach to elite guys like that and still be successful. So, so just a scouting report when playing, anyone's playing Mississippi state throw two strike fastballs. Cause they're going to be, <laughs> that's all well, I heard. I, no, I mean, it, <laughs> I think you, you kind of have to be right. Like you have to delay your decision with two strikes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Could, because you can still foul a ball off yeah. on a fastball because you're late because you, your swing is fundamentally sound. Like you have to, you have deep connection through the zone. Mm-hmm. So your barrel is in the zone way back here yeah. versus way out front here. So as long as you have that deep connection, you can be late and foul a baseball foul off. It off, fight it off. Yeah. yeah. And you continue to foul it off, foul it off, foul it off. And if you start to recognize it's like, you know, okay, well, he's just going with his fastball, just trying to dominate me. Then I might cheat a little bit. Yeah. Right. We had, we had, we had, uh, experience with, uh, an O two eight pitch at bat, right? 99 Chesh Scarborough. Yeah. Fouled off. That's right. Fouled off eight pitches in the super regional and got an O two, uh, fastball finally and hit one out to left field. That's tied sick. Up. That's sick. Yeah. Chesh yeah. That's it. I think, I, go ahead, Chris. No, anything to add on that, on, the, on that? Um, no, I think Hunter is, is spot on there. I mean, to me, when you get to two strikes, it becomes a, an awareness play. You know, if you're if you're just swinging through sliders in the dirt with two strikes, that, that doesn't work. I mean, the pitcher's going to get you every single time on that, and they know that, and you even know that. And so that means you're, you're applying more pressure to that bat earlier in the account because, because you know if you're uncomfortable with two strikes while you're hitting – you're pretty much an out for the other team. So I like the approach of hitting the ball on the ground with two strikes and, and applying pressure to the defense. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it just became an awareness play. So like when I got two strikes, I was going to shorten up my swing. And honestly, I was a first baseman. I tried to be too good of a hitter, if that makes sense. And, and, and I had a great average, like you guys mentioned at, on the intro. But, you know, sometimes you got to be comfortable striking out. I hated striking out. That's why I walked yeah. a lot because I was comfortable late in counts with two strikes. And, yeah. you know, I would make guys throw off speed for strikes to beat me, and those are hittable balls. Uh, but even at the D1 level, 
you know, a lot of guys couldn't do that. Yeah. And so I was, a, I was a tough punch out and that mm-hmm. would frustrate hitters for sure. Yeah. Um, but w- which is a little bit abnormal for a first baseman. I mean, you might, you might think of like a center fielder or second base, you know, ball back control kind of a guy uh, to have that sort of approach, but it worked. But, but I agree with Hunter, you got to be on that fastball early in the count, even OO. And I don't even think it has to be perfect. You know, many times when I was, when I was hot, uh, at the plate, I was just seeing the ball and hitting the ball. And if there was a ball in the outer third on an OO count, man, I would, I'm a left hand hitter. So I would drive that to the left center gap and, and, you know, get a double out of it. So I don't think it has to be that middle end pitch OO. I think you just have to have an aggressive mindset when it counts in your favor. Yeah, 100%. I think our, I think our era, <laughs> late 90s, and when we were there, John, I, it was it was definitely more of a mix of I mean we hit we led the nation in home runs I think we had like That's ten right. or eleven guys that had double digits in home runs That's right. and uh, but we didn't I don't remember us punching out a lot did we Yeah I mean I, I can't remember the stats uh, certainly we did strike out was it a lot I, I don't think so either Yeah uh, but I, I think that team was so good early in the count being on the ball Yeah that especially on the fastball that it didn't get to those those counts late. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of it is just mindset. I mean, it's it's really the same. Now, you were talking earlier, Chris, about you know, does your approach change based on the count? I remember I was in, in Cape Cod and, and had a three zero count, and I just said, "I'm going to let this fly." And so um, I got a pitch right down the middle, and I liken it to golf. I didn't try to do too much with that pitch, but it was probably one of the farthest balls I've ever hit in my life because <laughs> it was just a, it was a ninety mile or ninety two mile an hour or whatever it was getting me over fastball right down the middle and i didn't try to do too much with yeah. it and just squared it up and and i remember that at bat vividly so i do think you can change your approach on a count to count basis um and, and i do think you just have to be aware when you get two stripes of, of everything that's in that pitcher's repertoire yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. um i also think it kind of goes back to a little bit of what jared talked about last uh, last time on, you know, almost like the pitching philosophy, yeah. like if like the, you can totally get um, that paralysis by analysis and hitting. And mm-hmm. I've been there as a hitter where it's like, you know, you start thinking about too much. It's like, yeah. oh man, I really need to work on, you know, getting that scap loaded in my load and making sure I'm feeling that deep connection, like all this stuff. It's like, I mean, that stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. Like you, you absolutely need to have like a, a, a strong, fundamentally sound swing. But when you get in the box, you need to be a dumb hitter. Yeah, you need to be a guy that's you know, it, you trust what you've built. That's right. You have to trust what you built, and if you doubt any at any part in the the at bat, you're done. Yeah, you're not going to be able to compete. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, exactly right. I think we're all taught. Um, you know, you you work on you work hard in in all the, in in leading up to the game, and when you get to the game, you just got to have the confidence and the approach that gotta trust everything I've done is gonna is lead me to lead me to this spot right here, and just go and do it. Yep, trust yeah, it. Just play. Yeah, just play. Yep. You want to get it? Yeah. So <laughs> moving on, third inning here, um, Shesh. What what are the? I guess if you had three things, maybe uh, that hitters need to focus on in their development. From a youth perspective, what what are those three things? Well, the first one I'm going to say is is the mental approach, and I know that's probably not what you're looking for yeah. for, from a technical perspective, but you just touched on it. To me, that is by far and away the most important thing. Yeah, is having the confidence to go into the game and perform, have fun, play hard, 
um, walk up there with confidence, have presence when you enter the the box. You know, that's that's probably the the number one thing for me in, in teaching kids how to play is just, man, act like you're you're already smoking a ball by the time you walk up to the batter's box. Yeah. That would be number one. Now, from the technical side of things, I touched on them a little bit already. Um, for, for me, it's about just a super simple swing. So keep it simple would be number two. Um, and then n- number three, when you get into that position to hit the ball, let it fly. So I'm going to say number one, let's let's stay, let's have a mental focus and a mental edge. When you walk up into that dish, all that preparation that you've done is going to come to fruition. Number two, you're going to talk about the the, the fundamentals of, you know, hitting. Like we talked about earlier in this, you're going to have a bounce stance. You're going to have your weight slightly on your back leg. Your hands are going to be in an upright position that is comfortable for you. Um, you're going to take a small stride. You're going to really explode through the ball with your lower half. So again, nothing crazy from a technical perspective, but just yeah. the base fundamentals that you need. And then number three is get get the count you want, get the pitch you want, and just let it rip. So, you know, not earth-shattering information. Anybody could have told you that. But to me, that's the most um, telling advice that I could give anybody. Because if you do all the things that you guys talked about, where's your hand placement? Where's your foot? How far are you striving? You know, are you getting the torque you want? What's the launch angle? What's the exit velocity? You start thinking about all that stuff, man, you're done. Yeah, so absolutely just have, done. have a great approach, be technically sound, and let it fly. Yeah. I, lo- I love I, – I think another way to say that third that third bullet, which I love, is don't be scared to fail, right? Yeah. No fear of yeah. failure, right? Just go let it go. You're going it. to fail. Yeah. Embrace it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Embrace and, it. And by the way, I, I'd agree. I don't, I don't care if it's hitting or pitching or just the baseball and baseball in general, like – the middle game to me is the most important thing that the teaches you. It's it's huge. It plays a huge factor. And I I think to kind of give a different spin on, on the answer for me, like I'll I'll give like what I believe to be more of like the core of a mechanical approach to hitting and kind of like what that motor needs to look like for you to have a successful swing. Um, I, I think, kind of you talked about this a second ago with Davers like um like when he has that funky stance but whenever he gets ready to go um having that good launch position mm-hmm. right like i feel mm-hmm. like when um you know going back to to my dbu days like we had this huge database that we would be able to like go look at of every single big league hitter pretty much that's ever been on video like yeah. we wouldn't even have videos of like Lou Gehrig and uh, Babe Ruth like it was crazy like all the hitters that we had on our video database that we would just go look at um and you know we would just look at video look at video look at video and he Heath would just be like like look at how yes it's funky but look what he gets whenever he gets the heel strike yeah and it's that MLB logo knob to the catcher barrel behind the head that nice base like some people's base is a little bit wider than others but at the same time like everyone kind of has that same sort of launch angle yeah or not launch uh launch position yeah is what we call it right um and then the second thing is getting a connected swing like the way like from a biomechanic standpoint you work from the ground up kinetic chain yeah kinetic chain man um so like from a swing perspective it's like what fires first your hips mm-hmm. then you go to your your whatever your waist right then you go up to your torso then you go up to you know your shoulders start to go and your hands and then um and then 
you know, obviously than the barrel, right? Yeah. So it's like with a swing, you want to have that chain where it's like it peaks yeah. every single time throughout the chain link. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's a break in that chain, then you're not going to have the most efficient swing. Now, obviously, like that's where you can get into this rabbit hole of, uh, you know, that paralysis by analysis. You do not want to overanalyze that. Yeah. But as whenever you become a more elite hitter, like whenever you get to that college level of hitting or even like a, you know, high school, like a, a, a dominant high school hitter, right. um, you can start to talk about those sort of things. But I definitely don't think that that's some of the stuff that you need to talk about in youth baseball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that that kind of is one of those things where it's like, you have to, you have to, as a coach, what I do is I have those drills that, you know, that allow kids to feel what that is like. But if I go and talk to Jackson today, yeah, hey, let's get your kinetic chain going today. Let's make sure that you know you're you're connected at your halfway point. Let's go make sure that um, your launch angle is at like between twenty three percent or eighteen percent and twenty six percent. Like what? Yeah, are you kidding? Like no one's gonna be able. Your eyes are gonna get glazed over. You're gonna just get a blank stare. Yeah, but at the same time, like. As a coach, you like I feel like it's very important to be able to incorporate those things without directly talking about it. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Because you have to build the engine, right? Yeah, you can build the engine, but in and and like Devin Morgan Driveline talks about, give them the outcome you want to you want to achieve. Yeah, right. Which is if you want to hit line drives to the back of the cage, as an example, tell them hit line drives to the back of the cage, but don't give them cues on how to do that. They'll figure out how to get there. And then work with them on drills to to ultimately achieve that outcome. Yeah. Well, let's uh, a little bit of change of topic here. I'm going to go with the, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't strike me down later on, but we're going to bring up the slump word. Uh-huh. Uh, Shesh, Shesh, how do you beat a slump, man? Do you ever slump in your career? I can tell you I, I have. did in pro ball. <laughs> I was, I was um, 0 for either 26 or 27, which is about a week, a week's worth of games. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking I'm I'm never getting another hit again in my life. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of games in a row that I can hit. And, you know, look, it's the same thing as we're talking about approach. I mean, ultimately, a slump is between the ears yeah. most of the time. 100%. Most of the time. I mean, how much technical differences are there? I guess if you're playing a, a pro ball schedule from April to August or, or September – Yes, you could be fatigued. You could get into some bad habits over the course of the year. But for the most part, your swing is your swing. And again, I know, I mean, look at Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken had a thousand different swings in his career. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. was crouched down, standing up. I mean, he, that guy was all over the, the violin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The violin, just trying to find something. But ultimately, he got back to that launch position that you're talking about, even despite all those different stances. So, I think a slump is about how you feel. It's about um, if you tweak something that makes you feel different, which makes you think that you have an advantage that that may be real or may not. But it's all about just getting up there and and seeing it and hitting it when you have a slump. I like what you said earlier about being a stupid hitter. If I'm slumping, that's the number one thing I would do is be a stupid hitter. Just go back to the caveman days of you're taking some lumber up there, just swing that lumber and and let it fly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I think. I mean, te- te- technically, look, you got to put the work in. That to me is where you gain the right to have the mental edge. Yeah. So if you're putting the work in, 
um, in between your games, before your games, after your games, whatever, uh, that helps you get out of a slump, in my opinion. It's, yeah. all, it's all confidence, man. It's all confidence. Exactly. If you're not putting that work in, then that doubt creeps in your mind when you step in the box. Yeah, exactly. I think something cool that um, I was listening to, so Brent Rooker, um, I talked to him a little about, about him earlier, but um, he was on MLB Network the other day, and they were talking about, you know, he's having obviously a breakout season this year, um, but this is like his second or third year in the bigs. Um, but he they were asking him like what's changed and he's like honestly nothing nothing has changed i i might have like i just feel like i've gotten a lot more stable mentally yeah and, and understanding that exactly. I'm, whenever and whenever you're in the you know competing for a spot on a big league roster like especially when you haven't proven yourself you're going to be going up and down and up and down it's like triple a double a big leagues yeah back down to double a back yeah. up to triple a big leagues it's like you're never going to get consistency in like the you know the overall scheme of things but the consistency that you have to have is what you do when you get in the box right like even though that you know you might not be starting and playing every single night yeah you have to go into the box with the same approach and i feel like that i kind of related to that back whenever you know i was at state it was like you know i didn't there was, you know, a couple, a week or two that went by in my sophomore season there where it was like, I wasn't getting consistent at bats. I would be platooning with guys. Like I would, I would face every righty that we ever saw. But when a lefty gets in there, it's like either me or Elijah McNamee that are going in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, it was up until like that one moment, right. When we were playing South Carolina but at at that point, I was hitting like eight hundred pinch hitting. Yeah. So it's like I was what like eight for ten, um, in pinch hit moments. But it was like I was able to have trust in my approach, knowing I'm not going to get consistent at bats. I have to be okay with that, and I have to earn my spot. In order to earn my spot, I have to be consistent here. Yeah. If I'm not consistent with my approach when I get into the box, I'm not going to be able to be the best version of myself when I step in that box. Yeah. And my goal is to help my team win, not to to put myself on a pedestal. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to our, our approach where, you know, we talked to Tyrese. It's like getting the next guy up, taking that Buffalo down, right? Every single person has a role on the team, and you have to understand what your role is and how that fits to your approach at the plate. Yeah, I agree. Yep. It's great. Uh, great, for sure. Shesh, going we have the the last word is is yours. So we we talked about a lot, right, with regards to the youth. But I'd like to kind of change it up. What what advice do you have for parents um, that have kids that are playing in the youth youth world today in regards to hitting development? Yeah, I mean, look, look, there's so many coaches out there that you can get a thousand different philosophies, and they may all be right. I think um, hitting is very abstract. I don't think there's a black and white way to say this is correct and this is incorrect. Now, if so there's true. something off the wall, if it's off the wall, it's off the wall. I mean, you have to be able to see through that as a parent. And I think your instincts will tell you that. You know, if a guy's telling you to swing straight up or straight down <laughs> or whatever, you know, so, something something off the wall, you're going to know that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about quality reps. Find the guy that you like to train with. Stick with that person. Start to develop a philosophy. I like how you guys talked about build the engine. You know, add every spring, add every um, detail to that engine that you can over years. Um, but but one thing I would say too is repetition's awesome, but make the reps count. Yeah, 
you know, I, I would rather have 25 reps of game-like swings, even if that's on soft toss or even if that's yeah. on a tee. And what I mean by game-like is we're stepping into the box. We're acting like we're walking up to the dish. We're holding the bat in a banner like we're about to, to do some damage. Yep. You know, your body language is thought. It's back to that very beginning of the approach. So, so for parents, make sure your kids are doing that. They can go take 10 million swings. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't do that. They can go do that. That's easy to do. It just requires effort. But if it's not a fundamentally sound swing on every single rep, are you really getting the max out of it? My answer, my, my answer to my own question is no, you're not. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I would do is find a philosophy that you can live with. Start to build that engine from the ground floor. Find an instructor that you like. You don't need to bounce around 200 times. Um, and, and then really just focus on the quality of, of the rep that you're doing. And if you do that consistently over time as a parent, if you put your child in that position over years, they will be successful. They will be successful. Yeah, that's, I that's think fantastic advice. I think a, a funny thought comes to my mind. It's like, you know, at, at, you know, at state, we would joke around about, you know, banging the keys. It's like when you think about a piano player um, or, or if I were to go play a piano i have no clue what i'm doing so i'm just getting up there and i'm banging the keys yeah right versus like someone that actually knows what they're doing and they have a plan and they know what they're trying to accomplish they're actually having a methodical approach to how to play the piano exactly. yeah. you know whenever you go up to play whenever you're going up to hit and you're in the batting cage you have to have a plan of what you're actually trying to accomplish in that specific session and if you don't have a plan you're just banging the keys Man, it, it, I that last uh, we talked to Jared last last yeah. time, right? And he he said in his mind from a pitching approach standpoint, Chess, he said your mind is a is a machine learning device basically. So my mm -hmm. the point is, if you go up there and take a hundred hacks just to get quote unquote reps in, which a lot of people say that's what you should just just get reps. That's get reps, get reps. A hundred bad reps. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're going backwards. Your mind is learning to right. do bad reps at that point instead of learning right. quality reps. Right. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. Right. Like there are definitely sessions that you need to have where it's like repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Like mm -hmm. I, I think there's drills where it's like you know the the quick toss where it's just like yeah you're going and you're going swing 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 swing. Like there's there's a time and place for that, but at the same time mm -hmm. like. Just like what Shesh said, like, I feel like my best sessions, like hitting when I was in high school, like with my dad, were when we would go in at like, you know, eight o'clock at night to our batting cage and I would just step in there. I would take like 15, 30 swings and I was like, man, I feel really good. I'm yeah. good. I, mm -hmm. I don't need to do anything else. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go for tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, those it, you don't have to do more. More right. isn't always good. Right. It's just when you are when you have that plan, like you have to go in and actually try and do something and accomplish something. Yeah, I so. agree. Yeah. And I, I want to say something again real quick on that. Rhythm is important. Mm -hmm. So I'm not suggesting that when somebody gets in a good flow on BP and, and they're they're throwing it right in there and you're you're dropping bombs, that's good. But I still think even in that rhythmic environment, you can have the mindset of this is a pitch by pitch by pitch by pitch sequence here. And it's not just one, you know, collective swing. Like you're taking the time, even in rhythm, and maybe even the time is only three, four, five seconds apart. But every time you're still getting in that box and, and you're re really mentally ready to go. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. Yeah. So. All right, Shesh. Well, thank you again for for hopping on you here bet, with man. us and for coming back. But 
Um, just to Thank give you. a little insight to our next episode, we're going to be talking with one of my um, childhood best friends. His name's Josh Poole. He's a world-class skeet shooter. Um, so a little bit of a curveball episode, so you don't want to miss it. Um, again, my name is Hunter Vansall alongside the Chris Scarcella. This is the Fifth Inning Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it.